This is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. My name is David Grossman. Uh, today we are joined by Josh Hinger. He's from Atos Jiu-Jitsu. He's a three-time no-gi world champion at the black belt level. He also recently won the 2019 West Coast Trials for the ADCC Championship. We're also joined by Christian Woodmancy, owner and head instructor at Roots Athletics based in Philadelphia. Christian's also won a Pan American no-gi championship at the black belt level. And at the brown belt level, he won a world championship, Europeans, and the Pan American championship no-gi. What's up, guys? Josh Hinger here. Just kidding. <laughs> Hello, my name is Daniel Marino, and this is Motion Martial Arts' fourth podcast. I'm here with my friend Dave Grossman again, and joining us today is Josh Hinger, who's an accomplished competitor in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so, I'm Josh Hinger. Uh, black belt under Andre Galvao, based out of San Diego, California. I've uh, been doing Jiu-Jitsu since 2003. Um, with only a two-year hiatus, so I guess that's about 15 years of jiu-jitsu. Um, before that, I wrestled for about four years, and uh, I, I, I would say that I have a preference for no-gi over gi, but I don't. I'm just better at no-gi, even though a lot of people think I'm a no-gi guy. Um, and I'm here with my friend Christian Woodmansey. <laughs> Christian, this is your cue. Thank you for having me, Josh. Yeah, yeah, man. You're uh, in so, this. Yeah, we'd love to just get in here. Same thing, quick, quick little backstory. I'm also an Andre Galvao black here. belt representate, representative of Atos Jiu Jitsu. Haven't been training as long as Josh or as old as Josh, but we're basically the same person. Just no one's as apart. old as Josh. I'm 37 years old, one of the oldest competitors <laughs> in the business. Still successful. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this, this is uh, Dave again. Um, so uh, Josh and Christian are two guys who I definitely admired. You know, kind of from afar before I'd been lucky enough, you know, to first connect with Christian and then connect, have the chance to connect with Josh. And uh, one of the things that I've talked to in the past with Christian is about this idea of funneling people into your game and your system and also letting your character and your characteristics define your jujitsu. And that's kind of what I want to have you guys talk about today a little bit because both of you I definitely have very definitive styles and Josh. Definitely recently your ADCC trials when we saw you definitely using your system and funneling people into your game And if you want to talk about that stuff a little bit. Yeah, um, so I like to do this move called the guillotine um, And it was actually Ricardo Amendolia who who termed the phrase hingertine, which was at a, at a, a five grappling tournament in California and uh, So we call it the hingertine, but it's just really just a five-finger guillotine um, that I use a lot and basically, and actually, to be honest, my first instructor, Chris Brennan, was very, very good at a 10-finger guillotine. So that's kind of where I got my, my guillotine foundation. Um, but yeah, I, it seems that I've built my entire jiu-jitsu game around finding uh, people's necks with a guillotine. Um, and because I've been able to do it with one hand, just five fingers, it's much easier to grab in any situation that's not, you know, someone on my back which is pretty much the only position where I can't find it um, so I basically built my entire jiu-jitsu game around that submission um, it used to be like it used to be the submission I would use to finish everyone um, and but lately it's evolved into uh, something a little different where I use the guillotine to advance my position and then I usually attack the monoplata 
or the Gogolplata or the Armlock from a Monoplata. But the guillotine is still kind of, um, it's very important for me to set up the following submissions. Uh, so yeah, um, I've kind of just built my whole jiu-jitsu game around that. And that's it. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm a novice in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been taking lessons with Dave now for six months. Yeah, probably so about, about that. that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess just for our listeners, a lot of them not coming from grappling backgrounds, maybe just want to talk about what kind of the circuit is like that you aware of the competitions that you compete in. Well, so for a long time, I would only do Grappler's Quest. Like when I first started competing, I would do Grappler's Quest. And I, I don't think Grappler's Quest even, they're, they're not even, they're, they exist on social media, but they don't exist physically in the world anymore. Yeah, I don't think they've done the tournament yeah. in five years. Yeah, I would he's, he's, arguably he's, 10, yeah. right? Like it's Brian, been, Brian said they're not doing one for a long time, and they come back to like announcement. Get some too. Yeah, so Brian Simmons, he's still around. He ran Grappler's Quest. Um, cool guy. I always, always ran a solid tournament. Um, and then, and then I got into when Grappler's Quest kind of faded away. Uh, I stopped competing, um, and I didn't really do much uh, until I met Andre Galvao at a seminar, and he started pushing the whole idea of IBJJF and these the the big tournaments. You know, like he always called them the big tournaments, and I was like, and it kind of sparked my interest. And I had never done one before. I had never even heard of the Mundials or Nogi Worlds or anything. I had no idea what the IBJJF was. I knew what the ADCC was though. Um, just based on Stuart Cooper highlight videos, you know, like that was like, yeah. <laughs> I would look up jujitsu highlight videos and then Stuart Cooper's videos would come on and then I would see the ADCC and I'd be like, wow, that's the thing. That's the thing you got to go to, especially for Nogi people, you know, and I was a Nogi guy for, for years and years. Um, so yeah, then, uh, Galval got me into the IBJJF and, and to be honest, I was super impressed with the way they run tournaments. Like. They make Grappler's Quest look so bad. They make Naga look so bad. Like it's the most professionally run tournament you'll ever find. And they're consistent. It's not like a really good professional tournament or a really shitty one. It's like they're always consistently professional and awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed competing for them. And I think my first one was in 2013. And uh, yeah, and I haven't stopped since because I just have a really good time at their tournaments. I'm gonna make Christian talk a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we talked about you and I have talked about in the past about how the only way you're going to find out what your A game is is by competing. And going into kind of what I want to talk to you guys is about you know funneling people into your game and the characteristics that you have deciding your game. Is there any way to do that outside of competing? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can. I mean, I'm not sure about the consistency you can create in training. I mean, I'm sure if you're a specific-sized person and you've got a lot of people that are your size that are basically the, creating this similar environment that you're getting at a tournament, then I'm sure if you can, if you can do that consistently, yeah, you can find out. But, I mean, uh, if, you, if you ask Josh, if you talk to other people, even not from autos, but other competitors, you talk about that basically the way they drill and they train, they've got a very specific focus when they go in there. You know, they're whether it's mental mindset, just like, hey, I'm going to go put 100% in today, I'm not going to duck anybody, or it's like I'm working on this particular aspect of my game, but the only true way to find out, obviously, of what's working, what's not working, what needs to be sharpened or not sharpened is by constantly putting it out there to be tested, you know? So, I mean, if you can recreate that in training, you're going to find your A game, you're going to see what's working, what needs to be drilled or whatever it may be, but, I mean, a lot of the guys also are competing consistently, you know? So, like, 
I, I think that if you want to truly find the, your style and who you are, you've got to compete against the best guys in the world that are also your size and your belt level. So, I mean, uh, sometimes it's challenging to find that if you're not in an environment that has other guys that are on the same page as you, whether what they want to accomplish or not, you know. So uh, you'll find more inconsistency in a training room than you will at a tournament, you know. Guys who don't care if they get their guard passed or they don't get swept or whatever it may be. At a tournament, especially when you start talking about getting to the, the last couple of rounds, those guys are going to kill you if you don't kill them. So uh, you're always going to fall back on your training habits, and uh, you'll know right away if your game's working or not because you're going to win or lose. That's the test. You know, In training, you can kind of get around that or lie to yourself if you're not really authentic, and you won't find out that answer. So I guess it is possible, but I think it's, it's, it's harder to create in training than it is in a tournament for sure. Yeah, I, I was thinking um, when you were talking about funneling people, funneling people into your game. Um, to be honest, I don't ever, I don't ever try to force people into certain positions or submissions. Like I do find a lot of guillotines, but the truth is, I I've always said that you have to take what they give you, and I just find that a lot of people have a hole in their game where they leave their neck available. Maybe because they're focused on sweeping or passing, and they're not thinking of submissions, but. I don't actually try to always force a guillotine. Like, I'm happy with triangles from the bottom. I'm happy with uh, arm locks. Like, I can, I, I do reverse triangles. I really just take what they give. And it just so happens that people <laughs> give their neck a lot. <laughs> I really feel like that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't... I've told this to a lot of my students, too. You, you can't go out there saying, oh, I'm going to triangle this guy. No, you have to go out there and read the situation and feel them and feel what they're giving you and what they're not giving you and then you got to take what's available you know and that's why you have to have a very diverse jiu-jitsu game i don't actually go out. i don't i absolutely do not go out to in matches looking for necks like well i look for the necks but <laughs> i i don't i don't have like a, a tunnel vision and, and keenan's really good about this too like he doesn't worm guard everyone especially in training he never worm guards anyone unless he absolutely has to unless he's getting fucked up but you don't want to have that tunnel vision. Like you don't want to just have an A game because when you find the person who shuts that A game down, you don't. You're not going to have a B game, yeah. and that's a problem. Um, so yeah, I've always just kind of taken what people give me, and I think maybe it's just a, a massive hole in the meta jujitsu where people tend to leave their necks out, and I just happen to find them. Because <laughs> like, look, I went to Nogi Worlds. I didn't guillotine a single person. I used a guillotine to set something up once out of the four matches, but I didn't find it. I was north-south jokes, and I never do north-south jokes. I don't know how I got two north-south <laughs> jokes at Nogi Worlds. I never do them. Like, I don't practice them. I don't drill them. I don't think about them. But it fell into my arm, literally. 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 It's kind of like no matter how good you are at whatever your A game is, if it's all you've got, then it's you're a problem. Gonna, yep, you're going to get caught. It's a problem. Yeah, you, yeah. you might win some matches in dominant style because maybe your A game was just a really bad match for your opponent. Yeah. But if you find that opponent who's very good at avoiding your A game, sure. then what do you do? He's prepared for it because he knows you know, that's right. what you're going for. And, that's yeah. what people, and people start to learn your game yeah. and they know what to expect. So it's, it's benefited me tremendously, actually. When I go out to compete with someone and they're like, oh my God, watch out for the guillotine, watch out for the guillotine. Well, yeah, sure, watch out for the guillotine. And, but they don't, they don't even consider all the other submissions that I'm very good at. You know? So they're like trying to avoid guillotines and all the while I'm passing the guard and mounting them. And yeah, they're avoiding the guillotine, good job. But I'm st 
still in a very good position because you had defensive tunnel vision, you know? Yeah. I think that's an interesting concept too, that it's kind of like you need to have that A game to make your other submissions work yeah. as well. Right. So it's kind of like it's all still based around, you know, what you're best at. But Yeah, yeah I, I can feel people that are afraid of my guillotine and they avoid it like the plague. And then like the takedown is so easy. Or yeah. you know what I mean? Like Yeah, <laughs> because they're they're creating behaviors right off the bat. Right. To avoid something. And they're definitely not playing their A game. And I've built submissions around my guillotine system. You know, for when people avoid a guillotine, I, I go to something else, you know, I go to a triangle or an arm lock or something. So I think, um, you know, I think it's a bad, bad thing to have tunnel vision uh, in an offensive perspective, and it's bad to have a tunnel vision in a defensive perspective. You just have to have well rounded jujitsu and be prepared for anything. Well, um, you know, another thing I think is really interesting topic specifically with competition is just the concept of pressure testing and that the importance of and that's what you guys are talking about that you know you need to compete in order to figure out what your a game even is because you need to put it under pressure and you know, see what works see what yeah. really works you know when you're put in a in a put in a spot where you're where you're forced to you know kind of do whatever is going to make it work yeah actually now that i think about it my first uh black belt tournament ever I landed a guillotine in 30 seconds. <laughs> it was at American Nationals in 2014. And uh, I remember, and the guy I was competing against was a, like a, a pretty, not, he's not a, a superstar, I'm not gonna name him, but, um, but he's a, he was a seasoned competitor, you know? And, and uh, yeah, I remember I just, I literally just like kind of flopped onto his head, grabbed his neck, and he tapped in like a second, really fast. And then that, was kind of like a confidence builder. Like I was like, wow, this guillotine's like pretty good, you know. Black. It was my. Like, I had always done no gi, and it was a gi tournament, and it was my first black belt tournament in a gi at the IBJJF. Um, yeah, it worked so well, and then I just remember that I kept. That was kind of why I kept doing it, you know, because I landed that one really fast. I guess a, a black belt, like a seasoned black belt, and then I was like, wow, I'm gonna keep working on this. So yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I, I know where my, my problems are from my jiu-jitsu because I remember, like, another, just a couple tournaments later, it was, like, my third or fourth IBJJF tournament, and I tried pulling guard. <laughs> Worst mistake ever, you know? Like, I got passed and choked in, like, 30, in 30 seconds. So I was like, okay, now I know. Don't pull guard <laughs> in tournaments because I'm not... I can play guard in the, in the gym, sure, but not in the tournaments. Never again. I never pulled guard ever again, ever. That was like four years ago, five years ago. So yeah, competition kind of shaped my uh, my attitude towards jujitsu quite a bit. Well, something that all competitors, especially at a high level, have to deal with kind of injury management. You know, maybe you guys have any advice or about you know kind of ways that you approach that in your game. Don't train with assholes. That's easier said than done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. That's you have to share with assholes. Done, yeah. Those are the best training partners because yeah. everyone in a competition is an asshole. Um, I find that you have to take some responsibility for protecting yourself in training. Um, you cannot let your leg be put in compromised situations where, like, if the person does something unpredictable, you're going to get hurt. Like, that's your job to protect yourself. Like, you know, they say protect yourself at all times. Like, 
and that means like yeah don't leave your limbs out in compromised positions where like if the person does some I don't know there's a guy at our academy that loves to do the gator roll just out, out randomly his name is Brian he's like super <laughs> short and jacked and he'll just gator roll at any moment you have no idea and he does it with a massive amount of force and it's like whenever he feels like he's in danger gator roll you know and just all it does is create a scramble and just fucks everything up you know and it's actually not it's not a terrible strategy you can't be mad at him for that and he's also a, a police officer so I think he trains with a certain mentality like yeah. if I'm in a compromised situation I need to get the fuck out now yeah. otherwise I die so I think he trains like that and I respect that and I appreciate it um, but if your hand is or arm is in the wrong place when Brian hits that gator roll you're going to get hurt up, you're going to get hurt um, and so, yeah, I've, I've learned to train with people with the mindset of protect yourself at all times. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only 140 pounds, which I'm bigger than Christian. And I feel small most times. I'm like, uh, lots of times, I'm like, I can open it up. I can make it more intense. But this person's intensity and their craziness with their movements something stupid's gonna happen. And probably because I'm 140 pounds, when something stupid happens, I'm gonna be the you're, one who gets hurt. You're hurt, So I'm yeah. like, shut the game down. Don't don't turn it on because they're going nuts. I'm gonna eat a bad knee to the face, broken nose, broken ribs, who knows? It's just not worth it. Yeah. Like, save that for when it matters, but yeah. I gotta protect myself. I don't want a right. catastrophic injury in training because this other person's acting like a lunatic. Yeah, there's definitely particular mindsets that are more prone to getting injured like the type of style that you may have or the outlook that you have that like why does this guy get hurt more often and this guy doesn't get hurt at all you know but um i think it's it's exactly what josh is saying like you've got to have that mindset of like having enough responsibility responsibility and control to be like i got to make sure i don't get hurt and there's guys that literally are consistently not getting hurt you know they're like i feel confident that no matter what the situation is because of my mindset i'm not going to be in this bad situation like you're saying, you know, depending on the person's size, it can be that can be definitely amplified in either direction, you know. But like, there's not a really. I can train with Josh, and I feel like I can be focused and be getting good training while Josh is also focused in his good training, where I know that I'm not going to get hurt, right? Yeah. But I'm still not. I'm not training with this mindset of like, oh, I'll just go balls to the wall and have no control because that's definitely out of my mindset and character, whatever it may be. But like, at a tournament, those guys are going 120 percent, you know. So like, if maybe maybe if you're not understanding of the, the difference between the two it's a little bit tough you know but like for me it's always like the white or the blue belts that are like 185 pounds that are doing berserker shit that are getting hurt yeah. hurting people you know and they're usually hurting people that are smaller than them or people that are not focused on understanding the control you know but like you just if you just submit a guy you don't have to worry about him hurting you you know so i don't know the name of the game for me when i'm training is control yeah. right control the other person if you control them they can't hurt you um and this is kind of what I don't like about the submission only movement, you know, it's like they, they have actually, they have almost, they have very little appreciation for control because that whole, the whole idea there is like, well, fuck guard passes and, and fuck sweeps. Fuck holding them down. If you're just holding someone down, you're stalling. Well, no bitch, I'm controlling him <laughs> so I don't get hurt. <laughs> And I'm waiting for my moment to strike, you know? Like, I'm not stalling. I don't stall, ever, you know? But I wait. I'm patient. And you got to wait. And sometimes creating frustration in the opponent is a good way to set up submissions. Um, or just mentally breaking them. Just holding them down and controlling them to the point where they're frustrated and irritated and, and mentally defeated. 
and then the submissions come quite easy. Um, but their, their whole idea behind the submission only is like they love to scramble until someone catches something. And scrambles is, yeah, AI, right. <laughs> leg, leg lock, locks. leg lock. And submission or, or scrambles is, is where you're going to get hurt, you know? And so they're always trying to create scrambles and, and just a constant flow of jujitsu scramble. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's efficient. You know, it's, it's interesting to watch. It's fun. But I don't think it's good jujitsu. It's fun because it's so dangerous. I also think that they're just creating bad habits for every situation. Right. Because so many of them just sit down right away. Right. Go straight into their guard. And it's not even a real guard. It's kind of just like that open butterfly thing just to get hooks and or shoot underneath. Right. Or they let you mount them. Yeah. They let you mount them so they can push up on your hips and then bring the knee in the middle and try to get the the leg. Yeah, Yeah. to the heel hook. I mean, it's tough how you define success, right? Because if you tell those guys like, hey, like, no offense, but like, uh, I believe that EBI has its value and its credit, but it's not in terms of uh, the level of prestige accomplishment. It's nowhere near what you can do somewhere else. But if you tell people that, all of a sudden, like, it's like telling a kid that there's no Santa Claus, and they're like, no, fuck you, you know? But, <laughs> I mean, like, there's no, there's, you can take it for what it's worth, but like, if you talk about, if you talk about people that put the greatest grapplers in a, uh, and what those grapplers have accomplished, none of them are like, oh, well, this guy is, if you talk about Gordon or Gary or Eddie, very few of those people be like, oh, well, like, they're the best EBI people to ever compete. No, Gordon won uh, 80cc's, Gary's yeah. beat this person, this it, whatever it may be, you know, like, there's no, and like, no offense, but like, there's no, what is, what is the level of who gets invited? Like, there's people on EBI that you've never heard of about before, you know? Yeah, I've yeah. seen Gordon fight people <laughs> that have never even existed in jiu-jitsu, whether yeah. it's submission only or IBJJF. So it's like, oh, okay, cool, you know, but that doesn't exist in any other sport in terms of like, how can we compare this conceptually to another sport and, how do we build this structure and it doesn't make any it's it's first of all i think it's stupid entirely but sure it's nice to still test yourself but like if you're talking about what pays the bills or or what people truly take credit to like you know there's this niche cut in half and i feel like it's 10th planet first the world and everybody else you know but i mean to each their own still awesome you know but like those 10th planet guys go to adcc trials or they go to something else and majority of them do well it's good but like why are they not winning? There's not a single 10th Planet guy that's a world champion in IBJJF or has won an ADCC title or anything else like that. So yeah. submission only is great, you know, but like, I would I, I mean, I, my goal is not to be the little sister of something that's better, but I mean, it's, it's up to you what you want to do. I remember I had a blue belt in my EBI bracket. Oh, see. <laughs> it was EBI 3, and there was a blue belt on the bracket. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what am I doing? Like, there's a lot of black belts. There's a lot, it was a yeah. lot of good black belts. Like, Gary was on it, and Eddie... Cummings and um, uh, Richie Martinez, Dara, Dara O'Connell, yeah, yeah. and uh, and then there was a blue belt. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he in this? You know, no, you know, it's all the all the guys that he's naming are people that have accomplished things outside of submission only that have that kind of accreditation yeah. accomplishment. You know, so it's like, I don't think it's the only thing, but like, I think if you look at that and you say, hey, submission only is great, and that's like your only. Uh, your your understanding of judgment and value that you're an idiot you know but if you say hey submission only and this that guy's done both then like yeah you know but in a nutshell I mean submission only doesn't make any sense but it's a valuable thing to have I don't think it's the end all be all of go. what who's the, the greatest or the best like yeah. I, I don't there's there's value in the point system in IBJJF like there's value in passing a guard and holding someone down for three seconds that's why ADCC is the, uh, I believe it's the best because it's Half submission right. only and half points. Right. So like if you're a submission only guy, submit the guy. Oh, you can't. Well, like now we're gonna do it in this rule set. Oh, you can't do that either. Like yeah. okay, good. So like not only are you not good at your 
training. You're also not good at his training either, and you still lost. You know, it's like that kind of like weeds it out. It was like, oh, you're good at submission only. Submit this guy in, in what is it, five minutes? I think it's ten, right? Well, the first half is five, five right? And five. Uh, so like, if you can't submit five. for five minutes, you're obviously not good at submission only grappler. You know, because we're yeah. giving you the time to not have to worry about points. Yeah. And then you have the other guy where it's like, well, I suck at submission only, so wait till I get to the second half. But the, you notice that ADC doesn't start first first five minutes is points only, then it's five minutes submission only. Yeah. Why is that? You know, so and none of those guys last. It's just the way that it works. It would be very interesting if they switched it. <laughs> that would be super interesting because then once the point section runs out, right, first five minutes ends, you're down by. four five points they should flip a coin you gotta go nuts and say which one goes first oh that'd be good too ADCC pay us for the royalties football style you get to pick first half is this second half is that that'd be legit but imagine imagine you're down by five points and the the points segment is over goes away you have five minutes to just go for broke just go for it I'm gonna offer that to to, to ADCC that would be super cool actually I think we got to wrap it up, but uh, Josh, thanks for taking the time. To My pleasure. Good thanks job, Josh. Uh, Christian, thank you. And hopefully, I, well, Christian, you're in the area, so hopefully we'll have a time where we can sit down I'll and be talk back. to you again. I'll, I'll be, be back. back. A couple months. Yeah, don't worry. I'll be back. Awesome. All right, well, nice to meet you guys. Thank you, guys. Until thanks. Until next time.